everyone, and welcome back to The Cult Standard, your movie podcast for all the film cults fit to follow. My name is James. <coughs> Excuse me. And I'm Mike. Here at The Cult Standard, each episode we review a different movie that has garnered a cult following, and by the end of the episode we decide whether or not to join that cult. And uh, coming to you live from two separate areas because we don't want to infect each other mm-hmm. is James and Mike, here to talk about Contagion. Yes, we threw a curveball on you guys. Um, last episode, we said we were going to talk about Step Monster, which I did go ahead and watch on uh, Daily Motion in two parts because that's the only way it's available online. You can't rent it digitally. <laughs> I'd have to go to a video store, which no longer exists, to find a VHS of it, which I can no longer play. Uh, so <laughs> this is a- it's actually. It- it's actually occurred to me, I can try and see if I can go find it at Scarecrow Video and actually like watch a physical copy of it. But again, I don't I don't even know if it had a DVD release, Mike. I think it was like I think it was VHS. They have some V they have VHS. Well yeah. I have nothing to play I have nothing to play it on. See, that was that was the issue, yes. <laughs> I, I don't even care. I kinda just want it for the novelty. Well, we decided to go a little bit more mainstream with our choices here. Um but for I think good reason. Um so we're reviewing uh, contagion and both the cult that has existed and the growing cult in in the wake of yes the coronavirus ladies and gentlemen mhm and and to be clear that that cough at the beginning was facetious i'm i'm fine <laughs> yes and i'm not actually scared of infecting or contracting um anything to or from mike um everyone else though terrified terrified oh yeah oh yeah uh, i mean like i'm in I'm in uh, U.S. Well, ground zero for the U.S. Seattle, Washington, right now, and uh, I mean, yeah, it is, I know it is pretty, uh, pretty. It, I mean, like I think reports of it being like a ghost town are a bit exaggerated, but it people are. <laughs> let's just say traffic's been really nice the last couple of days. I mean, I'm actually, I'm actually uh, like, I'm flying out of Seattle next this coming Friday. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to Alaska, I mean, I, which hopefully that means yeah. that the virus will freeze because it's like negative 15 degrees there. Brother, if you're listening, yep. pick a warmer place, please. <laughs> oh, you mean your are you meeting your brother? He's getting yeah, he's getting married there. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. Congrats you, to you, him. You heard it live on air, folks, ladies and gentlemen. Anyways, um, yeah. So as I said, we we're gonna do Step Monster. We pivoted to Contagion just because everybody's talking about it now, and it culminated in. I even saw a friggin' New York Times story about it. Uh, There's like, hey, everyone's yep. watching Contagion again, and it's funny how much this movie just flew under the radar, and it doesn't even make sense to me. Like, no, Steven Soderbergh, even at that time, was a well-respected filmmaker. This has an all-star cast. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, just even on the poster, you're looking at Jude Law, Lawrence Fishburne, Marion Cotillard, Matt Damon, Kate Winslet, and Gwyneth Paltrow. This is, by the way, I think Kate, the same year Kate Winslet won an Oscar for The Reader. Oh, yes, yes, yes. So, I, so like, a huge year for her. Um, I kind of have this image of Steven Soderbergh as just a director who has constantly been outputting a huge, like, just having a huge output of pretty much universally quality movies and getting almost no attention for it, but still having the clout to like attract insanely big and talented actors to work with him. Um, so here, here's one. And, here's one thing. Yeah, it did. I, I did yeah. just look it up. It did make the critics top ten that year as uh, coming in at number forty out of fifty, appearing on forty, appearing on fifty three okay. lists out of, okay. out of the year that collected. Um, 
839. <laughs> a, s- a small sample. I mean, it's it's something. Um, however, do you know who did not sleep on this movie? Were actual scientists who work for the CDC yep. and and doctors and other sort of epidemic specialists. Um, this this movie actually got quite a bit of praise in the scientific field for its relative accuracy in depicting both the scientific and the sociological responses to a worldwide pandemic. And, and, and that's the that's what I meant. When, that's what I was referring to when I talked about the cult that has or that has existed all along. Because yeah, that's uh, true. That cult was just filled with doctors and scientists. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and now it's. Uh, I mean, not, yeah, sure, James. That little you know, New York Times, whatever. But you really want to talk about solidifying it as a new cult classic. There is now, as you drew my attention, attention to an entry on its Wikipedia page now about its renewed popularity in the wake of Corona. Yeah, it's true. Well, I mean, this is the first time and I'm surprised too. Well, this is, I think this is the first time we've had like a serious meta, you know, pandemic scare since the release of contagion. Cause I want to say that like swine flu was in high school and then swine flu was at the end of high school. And part of contagion actually is, a bit in response to swine flu. I think Lawrence Fishburne's character even has a line about he, um, or he, he's responding to whether or not this is just another uh, overreaction by the CDC like that with H1N1. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, he has a line that's like, I'd rather be known, I'd rather uh, be known for being overreactive than underreactive, something to that effect. Yeah. So let's, let's get into the nuts and bolts of contagion sure. directed by Steven Soderbergh. And it starts with, it's on screen, it says day two. And then uh, Gwyneth Paltrow is coming home from a trip. She has a cough very soon. Um, She has a seizure. Matt Damon is her husband, takes her to the hospital, uh, and she dies. Very very soon Mm -hmm. after, actually on the way home, his son dies. It's incredibly tragic. Mm-hmm. They don't know why. It's some sort of like obviously some sort of virus or something. They and the doctors and, say, and "Hey, we don't, we don't know what's happening." And it just hits. Yeah, like there's almost really no. I mean, there's an introduction of the cough, and and, and, and I want to say like two or three scenes later. Yeah, because there's reference that she yeah. goes to the doctor. He says he says something about like flu medication or something. Like she thinks she just you know, has like the convention cold, you know, um, she mm-hmm. <laughs> goes to a place, interacts with a lot of people, it picks up something minor, is going to, you know, sleep it off, eat some chicken soup, take some, take some medicine. Um, and then that's when she like has a seizure and dies. And yeah, it's really sudden. And Matt Damon also just does some fantastic acting work in the hospital when, uh, when the doctor's reaction. Like, yeah. When the doctor's like, yeah, your wife did die. He's like, okay, can I see you? Okay. Her? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He can't, he cannot process it. Um, and, and, and in, in a way it doesn't even hit properly until the doctor just like bluntly says your wife's dead. Yeah. 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 Well, well, I mean, anything like, like I, we I, weren't able to save her. She wasn't responsive. Um, none of that really penetrate seems to penetrate and, and yeah, yeah. It's just a great piece of acting Yeah, and so, writing, frankly. So then it really gets to probably my favorite line in the movie, um, gets to 
a part where they're doing an autopsy on Gwyneth Paltrow and they're cutting open her brain and they never show it much to the chagrin of my wife who was like, show me the brain. Um, wow. I mean, you see the peeled back skin. I know. But the, the, <laughs> <laughs> the pathologist is looking at it and he's like, and he has an assistant. He's like, what do you want me to do? He's like, I want you to step away from the table. And then he's like, should I call somebody? And he's like, call, call everyone. everyone. <laughs> and it, was, it just like immediately portrayed the gravity of this situation. And yeah. I, I love that because you're like, just, it's kind of like the buckle up moment of, of the film. So it was really good. Part of me wanted the scene to go on for like two seconds longer and just be like, hello, mom. <laughs> Yeah, you said everybody. <laughs> you said everyone. <laughs> I mean, you 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 set it up really well when you talked about all the different reactions that this would have. This could, in theory, spawn um, mm -hmm. from and and Contagion really hits at it on all angles in a way that uh, you know Steven Soderbergh is really good at doing. You know, kind of like jumping between different locations and um, characters. Not yeah. without really like sacrificing any of them. So you have Lawrence Fishburne, a CDC doctor, and all, who's also trying to, you know, act as sort of the, the, the communications director, the spokesperson of you know of the of the virus. So he's interacting with the media. Then you have the media themselves and the more seedier parts, so the profiteers, the conspiracy theorists, represented with Jude Law. And you have the person on the, the ground. The town criers who who kind of profligate public panic or and or a uh, homeopathic cure that has no scientific basis at all. Yes, at all. But you know, we'll make the money. <laughs> and then you have the the person on the ground, basically with you know Matt Damon representing you know the the family of, in America trying to survive the 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 outbreak and you know the the breakdown of society at the same time um yeah, yeah as i said all of these are really all of these are really well done um I, I didn't i didn't feel like any anyone was really given short shrift so i i also i, I mean i think for me maybe what i appreciate most and maybe what kind of prevented some people from latching onto it as much as a dramatic narrative um, but that I appreciate for it being sort of more true to life is that none of these characters is a, I mean, they're all kind of an embodiment of a different facet of society, but other than like, I would say like Jennifer L's character, um, or, you know, potentially, uh, Lawrence Fishburne, but none of them are really at like the world's not revolving around them. They are all just kind of different, um, there's not really a sentimental attachment to them. It's just more a way to explore how the, how this contagion affects different facets of society from the governmental healthcare response to it, um, to sort of individual information peddlers to just sort of an average family's response to it. Um, uh, and it, I don't know. I, I kind of really appreciate that Soderbergh has the ability to be it, like kind of have that detachment a bit from his characters while at the same time making them fully fleshed out and, um, you know, empathetic all the same, but not reducing it to sort of a personal drama. Like, I think I feel like a lesser movie would have um, like, for example, there's a there's a plot reveal that um, Gwyneth Paltrow's character, Beth, 
um, had an affair with a former lover for, in Chicago in a layover flight before coming home. And that that is part of the reason why the contagion is now spreading in Chicago as well as um, where she lives in Minnesota. Yep. And, uh, you know, it's it's a horribly tragic circumstance for Matt Damon's character to learn about this. Um, but that sort of dramatic point is really treated only it's, it's only present in the story to the extent that it explains part of the spread. It's not treated as a sort of focal point of the drama. And I I think maybe things like that are, I think what make it a stronger document of how these types of epidemics affect public sentiment and just society in general. But I think that might be why there were, there weren't that many people who were able to really latch onto the movie because it doesn't give you those easy dramatic beats, at least not in a way that is traditionally satisfying. Oh, sure. I don't know. Uh, I'll I'll talk more about that, but I I also do want to mention you, you reminded me of this uh, affair subplot that was happening with uh, Gwyneth Paltrow. I loved how it was portrayed on a visual level and on an acting level because you could yeah. have, you could really make an argument that Matt Damon the character knew about it the entire time just from what you've seen yeah. so i mean when she gets yeah, home it, he he kind of greets her with he, he it's kind of like a a somber smile is what i'd describe it on an acting level and this is yeah also right directly after like you know this is kuleshov effect this is right after you she's on a phone with the person with whom she's having an affair um and that's the that's the visual element of it that i really liked i don't know what it is and this is this is true so look for this in in other in other films where there's an affair subplot they love to show a person on a phone in the, with their left hand to show their wedding ring. And I don't know mm. what, what it is about that that makes it so you're, you're prominently showing the wedding ring, but it, it sort of triggers a... It like it, To me, it triggered like, oh, she's not talking to her husband um, just because of that. And I don't know why. Yeah. You'd think it would portray the opposite, but fil- films filmmakers do that all the time. It's, it's, uh, it's sort of like an element of drama- a visual dramatic irony. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, look, I, I love the way that was portrayed. Uh, and yeah, I think from an acting perspective too, it comes up later in the, in the emergency room where, where you're, uh, uh, where Kate Winslet is asking Matt Damon, would your wife have, what would your wife have done in Chicago? And he kind of avoids the question. Like he, you know, mm-hmm. he, he pauses for a bit and then he says, well, before we were together, she had a relationship with a man named so and so, and yeah, so you kind of think that he's had it, at least had his suspicions for a while about this, and now it's sort of being confirmed. And you know, the confirmation, of course, hurts probably even more. But yeah, sure. And, and but also the fact that they kind of, you know, they give you these pieces to kind of weave an, a story together yourself without necessarily expositing the whole thing. And then they kind of move on. It, it doesn't, um, it, it, it's, it, it's sort of, it's a huge dramatic point at the beginning. And then it kind of pales in comparison to the, like the weight and scope of what's actually happening. And it, it to me that helped it, that helped the movie kind of convey the feeling that we're watching 
like real people with real lives, but that this story itself is, is, you know, that their individual dramas kind of pale in comparison to what's act, like the gravity of what's happening. It just, to me, helped reinforce this idea that this is happening to real people. Well, yeah. And this, um, this, you brought up the, what, wondering why this didn't really connect with people. And, you know, I, of course it doesn't, I can see why this movie doesn't have super mainstream appeal, but I also <laughs> want, I also wonder why it doesn't because this, this goes into, especially with Kate Winslet's character, uh, Kate Winslet. Yes. Yeah. Kate Winslet plays Dr. Aaron Mears. Um, so she's an epidemic epidemiologist. Um, I actually, I actually, this movie taught me that there is an, in fact, a service called the epidemic intelligence service. I did not, I did not know this existed. Oh, that's real. As part uh, well, of I, I, mean, I should assume, I should have given Steven Soderbergh the benefit of the doubt here. Like he's being very realistic. So that makes sense that that's real. I just heard that. And I was like, yeah. Oh, that doesn't sound like a real thing. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I didn't think so. I, but no, it it is real. So yeah, she's a, she's an epidemiologist working for the now real Epidemic Intelligence Service, <laughs> and um, I her character represents that. You know, to me, it represents that old Roger Ebert ad, adage. You know, just show People someone at their job. show someone doing their job, and <laughs> like it, yeah. it, it. That to me was a really effective. I mean, she's she goes out she working with the talking with the government officials trying to get them to understand the severity of the issue and they're just like well we don't want to panic and blah 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 and she's telling people about she's talking to people about fomites and that's like fascinating to me like i learned what that is from her uh she talked about uh, something that we're now familiar now uh, abundantly familiar F-not? with what oh are she talked about f not or are not excuse me i was going to talk um, about that but yeah the are not of you know how many people you how many people one person expects to infect with any given virus uh so yeah that was mm-hmm. so if it has an r not four then that means one person would in- infect four people and then those four people uh, infect 16 um so on and so forth and but yeah also too she mentioned something that we're all abundantly familiar with now living in the year of our lord coronavirus um <laughs> touching your face um <laughs> they yep. tell you they're i've seen news stories all the time don't touch your face wash your hands and she's like yeah the average person touched their face between two and three thousand times a day wow <laughs> and that's so true and i just am thinking to myself all the time like okay don't touch your face oh my nose itches well tough it out <laughs> yep um even to the point, I mean, she, she's in fact so dedicated and professional, uh, that her, uh, at one point she's, uh, walking down a corridor with her coworker, um, right as they're renting out a, um, sort of a, a public space or a, a space to house infected people. And he's grousing about how, you know, every day when he comes home, his wife makes him, you know, take his clothes off right away, um, shower immediately she is like she being too dramatic and she's like no i don't think so <laughs> yep <laughs> that's that's appropriate <laughs> um at the same time um you know while she is a tried and true professional she is also possibly the most humane and sympathetic character in the movie i mean her, literally her last act on screen is giving her blanket to a person who's their only blanket that they have access to is just drenched in sweat and unusable. Yeah, she's trying to anyway. She dies in the process. It's <laughs> she's, does she die in the process? I thought yeah. it was a hard cut. I I thought that. Oh, oh I man. thought I thought the implication there was that she had died 
trying to probably like she was quite reaching possibly. for her her jacket or her blanket on the ground and trying to give it over and then she just sort of her arm just sort of falls limp um, oh man that's probably true i think part of me just wanted to believe that he at least got the blanket and then she died at some point in the near future after that but, oh man what part of this movie who led you to such optimism <laughs> <laughs> <There's> no... um <laughs> You're right, i'm sorry <laughs> so i want i want to be clear too um this contagion while having renewed popularity because of the coronavirus does not depict well depicts a a virus that is far more serious and far more deadly (laughs) yes Um, yeah the the mortality rate for this one is something like 25 percent right about one in four yeah um it's it's pretty crazy and you know what and typically too like they not not to uh speak in such callous terms but but typically those in terms of spreading those are actually better because viruses that kill their host can't spread as easily as viruses that stay in their host and um but in this case it showed you that you could have you could have it both ways uh so actually you brought up roger ebert um i i noticed something when i was reading up on the critical response to this movie um I believe he was like overall relatively positive of it, but one of his points of criticism, um, I just wanted to bring up cause I, I vehemently disagree with it. And I, I'm sorry, I guess I'm putting that as a framing for you. Um, I should have just asked your organic opinion, but the, um, Jude Law's character, the sort of the freelance blogger slash conspiracy <laughs> theorist who is convincing everyone that Forsythia is the, ultimate cure that the government doesn't want you to know about um and causes a fervor to to attain this herb that uh seemingly uh, does actually no good at all but uh you know creates this huge public uproar he seemed to think that it, it, it no he well he said it hadn't it was kind of detached from the main thrust of the movie and didn't just was just kind of sitting there and didn't really do anything. I thought that was maybe I'm just kind of bringing the way that the way that I see the world working nowadays, but that seemed to be one of the more prescient aspects of the movie, how people seizing on this opportunity, you know, seizing on this public panic can generate so much, uh, chaos and, discord just from peddling a theory whether or not that has any basis in reality um and kind of tilting public sentiment that way um what? via twitter but via social media that mm-hmm. seemed to me more relevant than ever and i i really liked that aspect of the movie well yeah so i was gonna i was gonna bring that up because i will say while watching it he his character feels the most like a movie when i was watching his part yeah. i was i felt like more i felt more than in any other character i was watching a movie but it was the others felt very lived in like i was just watching someone you know do their job or exist in this society and felt very organic in that regard but um i will also in in fairness to to mr ebert he was uh living in the um shall we say uh sheltered in the, in the pre the sheltered 2011 <laughs> the, the truth still existed in, as a concept yeah facts mattered there were no, nothing facts else. did matter somewhat yeah there was no alternative facts <laughs> um that, that's fair and, and and you know i i think i think that's true but also we live in an era of alex jones where yes. the 
propagators of information are often playing characters. <laughs> so yeah, that's true. Um, and I, I could see that from a from the perspective where you, if you look into the you know, not just Jude Law's character, but the character that the persona that Jude Law's character adopts, um, and maybe it's a little going a little too deep there, but it seems realistic to me in the wake of as you said Alex Jones or or other people just online peddling crazy conspiracy theories we have this all the time with you know saberisma on twitter and see how that goes um mm-hmm. yeah i mean to me this is one of Jude Law's character is actually one of the aspects that i think still may, beyond you know the, the beyond the connection with the coronavirus Jude Law's character is is the one in contagion that makes me think that it's most deserving of its cult following because of its relevance that still exists um mm-hmm. yeah exactly of these conspiracy theorists profiteering off you know just fear-mongering and other things like that and sowing discord sowing distrust in in the government and you know our other establishments and i'm not to say like yeah the government can do no wrong of course not i'm a democrat um <laughs> i'm a democratic socialist right <laughs> no. um, right but um, but at the same time, you know, the, the lack of faith in institutions yeah. is I, I mean, you can like, like you said, we're both critical of certain huge infrastructural um, aspects of our government and our society. But at the same time, a complete lack of faith in those institutions will lead to absolute chaos. And what some people I, I, want. that's yeah. it's what some people want. Master Wayne. <laughs> I just want to push the world burn. I mean, yeah, I I subscribe to the New York Times, and I probably hate like every other article they write. <laughs> oh, it's infuriating. I've actually been te- I've been tempted to cancel a couple times, but yeah, I know it's just like it's like I'm so disappointed in them on so many occasions, but they're like, you're the best we have. Damn it. <laughs> Ugh, they're they're at, like their actual reporting, their news reporting is often still among the best so it's yeah. it's diff- it would be difficult for me to justify but i avoid their um i, I avoid their op-ed section like uh well <laughs> like the mev1 <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> that's the name of the virus and contagion i don't know if we said that or not <laughs> you did i actually keep forgetting it yeah it's right in front of me so you know i'm a, I'm a cheat i just i have nice. all the answers this is actually I, th- I think of everything we've talked about uh, I, I think this one has the biggest delta for me, at least, between its actual recognition and uh, or, or lack thereof, I guess, and the quality of the movie itself. Like, I, it's not necessarily my favorite movie that we've talked about so far. I, I would probably put like Dead Man in that category. Um, for me, at least, that's I, I love that. And, movie. and it, I but don't think that, it has like the charm of something like Return of the Living Dead, you know, where you just kind of like sit down and enjoy it and laugh at its silliness. But uh, you know, that's not the type sure, of movie this I think is. With, I think with this one though, like, you know, the quote-unquote cult is is sprouting up so suddenly and organically that like, I mean, it, it processing this movie now with uh, and realizing the lack of attention it's gotten over the years. Um, compared with the movie it actually is it's just like I, I more than any other thing we've talked about yet this feels the most like we made a discovery yeah and i know and, that uh, we're making this discovery alongside several other people um sure and of course it's not a discovery at all because i mean there have like you said there have been uh i mean medical professionals have been touting this movie i mean not like 
you know, it has been. <laughs> they have some better things to do, I think. But <laughs> they had some better things to do. But like, this film definitely had its supporters. But like, it got buried big time. And uh, you know, we as a culture are just kind of dusting it off now. Um, and boy, it, it's it, it's amazing. I, I, it, this this was probably still a, a great movie in 2011, but it is it plays terrifyingly phenomenally well today um i I was watching it with with kelsey in the room and and she thought i was uh, at certain point she thought i was just watching various videos on the (laughs) news about yeah i I don't know man i mean i'm I'm looking at this too like how did this because i watched this movie i was like uh, after watching this i was like okay this had to have like swept you know got a bunch of nominations you know like some screenplay Mm -hmm. directing maybe um you know supporting actress nope not a thing so uh, you're not underselling how much this movie just like slipped by um yeah yeah and instead of well i'm not gonna do any sort of irresponsible spreading puns but you know catching on (laughs) yeah is that is that okay can i say that that, that's uh uh was that close yeah, yeah yeah the uh the the authorities will uh abstain from raiding your apartment for now but just watch yourself you can't cancel a podcast that uh, was never big to begin with so that's that's very true <laughs> we have no sponsors <laughs> audible please help us <laughs> sponsored by skillshare sponsored so, by my other uh, podcast <laughs> So yeah, I, I guess I, I need to admit now, James, I, I have not in fact watched Step Monster yet, so uh, still need to do that. But uh, if if it's unclear, you know, I think we're both pretty much joining this. We're joining in this uh, this cult here. Oh yeah, absolutely. I was gonna. I was saying that I am uh, uh, after apologizing for not having watched what I'm sure is a cinematic masterpiece that you have recommended for <laughs> for an upcoming show. Um, I'm really happy we did this one instead. Um, just. It's it's both of the moment, but also, like I, I really, I, I I really think I mean it's impossible not to view it through the lens of Corona, but I do think that after that, you know, hopefully soon, uh, when we you know are able to control it a bit better and and you know that it abates a bit, hopefully, um, I still think it'll hold up as a great film. Um, and a, and sort of a document of uh, what threatens institutional stabi- stability um, during huge crises, yep. health crises, public panic. Um, I, I really feel like it did a great job of tackling these really multifaceted, complex uh, topics from like it, with sort of a holistic point of view, like tackling it from pretty much every facet of society and, uh, you know, doing its homework, presenting it in a non-exploitative way that, that didn't undersell the human drama, but also was fairly true to life. And I, I, I really respect it for that. Well, and you know, just a little bit more about true to life, like people, one of the things that people really compared this with the coronavirus, because I, I'd mentioned, of course, like, how this did, how this how MEV one uh, affected its hosts is far different than how the coronavirus affected affects its hosts in today. So there's not much there's not much really correlation between 
the the viruses that we're experiencing, the virus that we're experiencing now, and the virus in the movie. But no. No. in how it's spread, in the you know, it's a relation to you know fomites and you know and pub being in contact with people in public, um, even down to the government, uh, the government's role in these things. Um, in this case of contagion, it was the United States government. Uh, well, which is also the case now, actually, come to think of it. There's, um, al- there's also, the, well, and also who, or, or WHO, the narrative that, that the World Health Organization is is espousing drastically contrasts with what the United States government uh-huh. is putting forward. Well, and, and so, people... Uh, People today have criticized both the United States government and the Chinese government for their efforts to downplay um, the seriousness of the coronavirus um, mm-hmm. and thus allowing it to spread further. And there was a little bit of that going on in, in Contagion when people are where, you know, people like Kate Winslet and Lawrence Fishburne are, you know, arguing for the seriousness of what's going on. And they're being met with, you know, red tape and saying, well, we don't want to panic. Uh, we don't want to mm-hmm. feel incompetent, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, it, you know, in the in the film, uh, there's some a little, little bit of hope because you you understand that people in the government who have taken these steps are going to get potentially some comeuppance. There's reference to an, a trial, an investigation, a hearing um, that has already already been set. So you're like, OK, maybe. But also, uh, and you know, we didn't mention it too. And I know we sounded like we were wrapping up, but I'm going back. But Lawrence, I, I thought it was a really great um, moment where Lawrence Fishburne's character basically he gives his wife a sneak peek at the at, at a incoming quarantine of mm-hmm. the Chicago area. I think it was Chicago. Yeah, is that when he tells her to go to Atlanta? Like, he to says, leave, yeah, leave go, Chicago and go to now, go to Atlanta, because yeah. he knew that the, that it was going to be quarantined and that it was going to become kind of this like lawless land, and he's like, oh, mm-hmm. I'm going to use what I know to help the people close to me. And you're like, oh, yeah. that's that's a decision, because you're like, I, of course, I totally understand it, but at the same time, it's like, I don't know that everybody else would have loved that, you know, <laughs> and yeah. is it, is it also, you know, dangerous? Could she be infected? Who knows? Um, yeah. Right. You could potentially be, sp- I mean, again, you can be a, you can be a, a contagious without demonstrating symptoms. They say as much in the film itself and, you know, telling someone to leave this area and go to a place that, at least up till that moment uh, has been uninfected that could have huge repercussions. But again, he's human and he wants to watch out for the people he loves and you get it even though it's on an objective level, probably irresponsible. (laughs) Yeah. So those are the last things about that. I wanted to last things about contagion that I wanted to get across. Um, Definitely joining, Uh, um, the cult i would be a regular member <laughs> talking about contagion. i think i think mike i think my closing thought um this i think would actually make surprisingly good viewing alongside uh um chernobyl oh because right. i think i think i think the fundamental theme of it's it's far more prominent in chernobyl but um the the theme of balancing a response with 
maintaining a, a front of confidence and solidarity, uh, I, I think really s- speaks in, I, I think that's a really prominent theme in both of those works. And, uh, it's certainly a theme with Corona right now. Um, and yeah, uh, uh, it's two very different manifestations of that, but I think both very, uh, very well done and multifaceted and, um, yeah, I, I'm absolutely joining this cult. It's, uh, not the Forsythia cult though. Um, oh God, that, no. <laughs> those people, those people are nuts. Um, but no, it's, but actually, uh, Mike, you know, I, I, we mentioned that, um, next time is going to be step monster. And I realized we're actually going to have to yep. push that back again. And here's why are we really? Yes. What's next? Um, because in, because two weeks from now when we record again, we will mm-hmm. have a very special <gasps> guest. That's right. Yes. Yes. Um, we will be having on Steve Guntley, who you may know from the podcast ultra 64, where each episode, they um, force themselves to play a different uh, random game from the ultra 64 so sorry from the Nintendo 64 library. The Ultra 64 was its production name, James. All right, get it straight. Yes, from the Nintendo 64 library, and uh, play it and review it. And sometimes it uh, works out poorly for them because they have to play some bad games. Um, mm-hmm. I've listened listened to several episodes, follow it regularly. It's great. Highly recommend it. And uh, Steve Guntley, absolutely, uh, he found out that uh, we have this podcast. Was very interested and floated by Troll Two. Um, which has something like a something like a nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes, Um, and funnily enough, though, it was actually already on our list of eventual ones to do. So uh, for this show, so he suggested it, and we set a time. So it's going to be we're going to be recording, as I said, two weeks from now. Today's a Sunday, and so the next episode published will be on Troll Two with, uh, and we're very excited to have Steve Guntley on with us. I'm I'm I cannot wait. Um, This is going to be great, and also. uh, if if you're able to, I would also recommend as a bit of supplementary homework before the uh, before we record, uh, watching the documentary about Troll Two called Best Worst Movie. Have you? I wonder. Have you watched that one? I have. It was a while ago though. I'm gonna rewatch it. That's fair because I haven't. Um, I'm just gonna watch the movie for now, and then I'll all right. That's I'll maybe fine. watch the thing before. So yeah, I mean, I I am loving how we're we're doing this so far. Tuning our own horn. I love that we're exploring and rather than. Rather than us telling you what the what's good out there, you're telling us. So this feels this feels good. This feels like a good change. Yeah, we we all. I mean, hopefully everyone benefits from this, but uh, we do. Me and you, I think, do kind of ultimately selfishly benefit from this by just making new discoveries and uh, and sort of broadening out the films that we love and are interested in, and uh, you know, searching out things that we might never have watched uh, otherwise. So, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, I- I, I'm. It's great. So yeah, in the meantime, thank you so much everybody for joining us um, on the Colt Standard here. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, you can find us on Spotify, you can find us on Google Play Podcasts, and you should be able to get us on any sort of third-party app such as Podcast Addict or wherever you get your favorite podcast. You can also follow me on Twitter at Jam Cozy. And uh, you can follow me at Michael Leiden 892 And you can find us at coltstandardpod.com or on Twitter at coltstandardpod. Thank you again for listening, and we will see you next time because we still haven't determined to sign off. (laughs) 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 Bye, guys. Bye.
Yeah, truly amazing. 